I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle, and as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, I'm joined by Ami Desai, a South Asian American content creator and lifestyle, beauty, and fashion influencer. In a world where there are so many influences on our choices and for our digital time, Ami Desai's role as a South Asian influencer is one of authenticity, representation, and gratitude. She has a background in communications and business, and a deep experience both in front of and behind the camera. Ami is the daughter of Indian immigrants and a mother of three young children, elements that have profoundly framed her brand as a modern digital influencer that brings together her experience as a host, makeup artist, and parent to help inform other women like her on how to juggle it all. We had a chance to chat recently, and I asked her whether there was value in being selective with partnerships and developing trust as she was starting to grow her brand. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, the value, I think, is 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 huge because I think people, as far as your IG community and your social media community, respect you that much more. Mm-hmm. If they do see maybe um, counterparts of yours that are similar uh, personalities or content-wise, that they're maybe doing the same partnerships and you didn't, you know, um, there's probably, I think, I think people respect it. Um, I also think that I, I, and I always talk about this, but I'm very grateful and I'm very fortunate to be in the position I am, um, where I can say no, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of times the issue is, is that especially if you're up and coming and you're doing things and you are really leaving maybe your full-time job to focus on this because it is a full-time job and it can be, and this can be, I think that's still something that people are wrapping their heads around, especially in the South Asian community, you know, like I still get it all the time. My mom and dad, like I literally have to show them my tax return, you know, like, like, what are you doing actually? Yeah. Yeah. Like this is a real job. And my mom be like, you're not taking care of, you know, uh, I'm like, mom, I I am, I'm taking care of them. And I'm also doing this because you know, it's a job. Um, And so I think that uh, I am now at a point where I can definitely say yes and no. Um, so I find that to be a luxury and something mm-hmm. I'm very appreciative about. Uh, but I do think the value is there because in the beginning is when you really need to invest and grow that trust mm-hmm. and build that trust with your following. So if you are just taking every partnership that comes your way, even if it doesn't resonate with your underlying message and your motto, then I think that's where you kind of lose people um, in sure. the long run. Well, when you were, you know, speaking of, you know, our parents and, and the sort of community around us, I mean, when we were growing up, I'm not sure if there was this ability for us to follow a carefully crafted and manicured right. lifestyle in that way. Has that been sort of a, you know, a transition for you to make to say, hey, listen, I mean, this is definitely not what my own background is in trying to make this all crafted and scripted to now saying, hey, listen, this is exactly what I'm going to be doing on a daily basis. This is part of my work, part of my profession. Has that transition at all been either, I wouldn't say a struggle, but have you had to reflect on that and really sort of grow with that? You know, it's interesting you, you ask that because I do think for some people it can be a struggle because I do think some people have a very public persona and a very mm-hmm. private persona. Like they are two different people. For instance, if you look at some really, really big YouTubers, 
they're very boisterous and extroverted, it seems, when they're talking to the camera. Yeah. But in person, at like events and stuff, they're very, yeah. you know, withdrawn and they're very shy and nervous. And so it's interesting. I, I feel like for me, for the most part, I am very much what you see is what you get. Mm. And I think on Instagram, obviously there are things that we keep private. My husband, for instance, is a very private person. He, yeah. he, you know, rolls his eyes every time he has to do something. I'm like, well, honey, <laughs> the family stuff does really well for me. So you got, you got to be in this picture. You right. got to be in time this to campaign. step it up. Right. <laughs> exactly. But I think, you know, he, he understands it and he gets it. And, and same with the kids, like my son, Rian is now eight and he definitely understands what's happening. Mm. And I don't force him to do anything. So it's like, if you don't want to be in it, you don't have to be in it. Mila loves doing the stuff. So she's definitely in it with me all the time. I chose, especially when I started incorporating less, be- no, I wouldn't say less beauty, but when, when I figured out what my tagline was, and this is one of the biggest things I tell people when they ask me, like, how did you get started? How did you know you wanted to do this? There's so many voices. And especially now you're seeing more and more South Asian voices. You're seeing so many people in the Brown community come up And how do you cut through the clutter and kind of make a voice for yourself? And really, to me, one of the biggest pieces of advice I got was, okay, in that little bio on your front page, Mm -hmm. what is your tagline? You know, what's your tagline? And not so much that that's what people are looking at because people are just looking at the curated boxes, Mm -hmm. but really think about it and stick with that. Let, Let that be the pillar that you are then doing everything underneath. So for me, it really became about beauty, lifestyle, fashion, all under the umbrella of being a mom. So how does that, how does that work? For me, it's not just, oh, I'm going to do a really elaborate holiday look and show you how to do it. I'm going to show you how to do this elaborate holiday look my way as a mom with maybe two toddlers running around. And I'm going to show you how to do it in maybe a five to eight minute version, right? Because yeah. this is as good as it's going to get right. um, given the circumstances. So I think it's thinking about it that way. And for me also, um, you know, I started really focusing on the Instagram stuff in about 2017. So it's been mm-hmm. about three and a half years. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, for one, I was one of those people I was like, oh, Instagram, it's not, it's not real life. You know, right. it shouldn't require this much work. Like how come other people are growing and I'm not? And it's because I wasn't treating it like a job. If I really wanted it to be a job, I had to put in the work. Mm -hmm. And that meant after my day job, Mm -hmm. doing the work at night. And obviously that's evolved so much too, because I think it did start as a very curated picture box of, you know, highlight reels. And now Mm -hmm. I think people are going back to basics. People want to see the real stuff. They don't want the beautifully, perfectly curated vacation pic. They want to see the stresses of everyday life and the imperfections of just you, you know? And I think that's why stories has been great too. Like Mm -hmm. I might have more curated pics on the feed, but in Mm -hmm. stories is when you're going to get me like being mom, you know, kind of spit up all over me, hair up, no makeup, that kind of thing. Um, so I think, I think for me, my message has always been like operate authentically, um, as much as I can with sharing as much as I can that, that's still respectful to like my entire family. And I mean, even from the vantage point of your family and when you were growing up, was this something, something that you sort of always have been akin to, to saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm totally up for sharing more about myself in order to either get a message across or to you know, develop relationships and, and network in that way. Because there's a fair amount of that that I'm sure goes into oh, yes. the craft and the work that you have to do. Yeah. 
I would say for sure. So my dad was one of the dads that from, you know, the day I was born has always had his little camcorder with him. So I learned early on about just having a camera in your face all the time. But it was more because obviously for the memories and stuff, which I appreciate, but it's so funny that he um, would do that because he is a very shy, more private person. Mm. Um, But absolutely, like from as long as I can remember when my dad and mom used to watch 2020, you know, everything, I always wanted to be like Diane Sawyer, Barbara Walters. I wanted to be a journalist. Like that was my thing I wanted to do that later evolved into being an entertainment journalist. And then that evolved into, um, you know, like a news magazine style. And now ultimately it's turned into something that I've been able to bridge my love for storytelling, creating content, speaking to people, delivering tidbits of, things that I find important on a daily basis to um, doing that through social media. Yeah. You know, I'm curious for, for you guys in, in thinking about this, where there, there is an openness and, and an ability to sort of capture these moments. How yeah. has the pandemic really reframed your thinking when it comes to lifestyle and how it actually has uh, changed your parenting for that matter? You know, I think, oh gosh, it's been, it's been so eye-opening in that like we're so back to basics. For me, it was really interesting as a mother to see it through my kids' eyes because, for instance, like the first couple of weeks uh, when we would do homeschooling and we had breaks in between, I'd be like, okay, guys, let's play like, let's play restaurant. Let's play mm-hmm. doctor. Let's play office. Things that I used to do when I was little. Yeah. And the first thing I remember my son was like, he's like, but what, what do you mean? Like, how, so wh- where's the toys that I need for making this happen? And I was like, yeah, no, no, no. Like I played with nothing. Like I yeah. didn't have anything. I just made it up. Mm-hmm. And I rolled with it, like go roll up socks and pretend they're tomatoes and I'm buying them from you, you know, like make up the menu, like yeah. make this stuff up. Like I, if I could do this for hours on end, you can too. And they have, I see them now, you know, I see them play together. I see them make up games with each other, which is amazing. I will also say for all my moms or all my parents out there that only have one baby, yeah, I feel for you because when I talk to them and yeah. they're like, gosh, it's so hard keeping my, my son or my daughter entertained. I'm like, I can only imagine because at least these two have each other. Mm-hmm. They're built-in best friends, right? Built-in buddies that no matter how much they argue and fight with one another, they still have them as a playmate. So um, I feel for you, mom and dads that are out there that that have just one. Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned that um, the kids have sort of been forced to recapture this sense of imagination and sort of being mm-hmm. present with what's what's there and not thinking about like, you know, what needs to be there, but rather what's actually there in front of you. Has that had the same effect sort of on you and capturing oh, yeah. your imagination and your ability to sort of create in that way from from scratch in, in some ways and, and rediscover Absolutely. certain things? Absolutely. And I mean, in that, again, because a lot of my work kind of coincides with my personal life, one of the biggest things as I'm sure many people went through and, and those that are in this uh, content creation space, I call it, or like digital creation space, you know, they're probably like, whoa, what is this going to do with some of my partnerships? A lot of stuff was on hold until we knew more about how long this was going to be and what it meant. And I felt again, very grateful, but it was very much about like thinking creatively, how I'm going to pitch myself to different brands. How am I going to use this current situation and make it something that's attractive attractive to partner with so for instance with a lot of beauty brands i was i pitched them and i was like look we have to be very um socially conscious 
You know, mm. people are on lockdown. We're not going anywhere. Yes, you might need to look presentable for a Zoom, yeah. but no one wants to go and see a beauty blogger opening thousands of dollars of PR packages. Right. Um, yeah. it, you know, it's like, read the room a little bit. Like, yeah. um, okay, I don't, I'm not, you know, you're just kind of showing me what I can't have right now. So I was like, maybe we integrate it into the life of like, day of, you know, okay, I'm pregnant right now and I'm homeschooling. Let me show you mm -hmm. how I give myself a little pick me up. Let me yeah. show you a five minute makeup, um, look that any woman can do with or without kids, but it's just going to make you feel better. Cause when you feel better, the whole day goes better. And then you'll be able to tackle that zoom call or that conference call or chasing after the kids, you know? Right. So I think it was really, it made me think a lot more creatively about how I was going to approach work mm. and partnerships and, and same thing with, with kids. And I think being pregnant that changed, you know, that changed a lot too, because one of the things I realized too, is that like the pandemic's here. And so it's going to change a lot for the space of beauty and yeah. lifestyle, but really women are still pregnant. Like yeah. that's not going to change no. in nine that, months. That's definitely baby, not going away. <laughs> right. Like the, the baby's still going to be here. And yeah. as much as we don't want to talk about things to buy and things like that, we still need things. We're still growing. So you're still going to need to, you know, accommodate your growing butt figure. Right. And then also like, you're going to have to figure out baby clothes, baby yeah. needs, all that kind of stuff. So I, I like how you put that sort of reading the temperature of the room. This is what people are going through right now. Mm -hmm. in, in that same way, I've always wondered about this for those who really are successful at being lifestyle either vloggers or, or um, talking about it or sharing it, whether through Instagram or any other portal, is the, you know, the, the notion that your version of lifestyle matches those of an audience. Is mm -hmm. there something that for you seems like, well, the learning process of that for you is to, in fact, learn from the audience and gather more in that way? Is it sort of a, is it a bi-directional cycle here? Or is it much more of a like, hey, I'm going to present what I think is probably the, the right thing? Well, the latter is if you really just want to have a platform for you to express your opinions and voice and yeah. And that's it, right? Yeah. Um, I do definitely think it has to be bi-directional if yeah. you want it to be a business that you're growing. It's mm -hmm. just like any other company, your IG family or your IG community is your focus group. And I tell people this all the time. Yeah. Um, when when younger people approach and they're like, how do I get started? I'm like, use your audience. Even if mm. you have 50 followers or 150 followers, use those 150 people, ask them questions, pull them. What do you want to see from me? If you could see something from me, what do you want to see? You'd be surprised at what people actually want to see. And it's not necessarily what you think they want to see, right? right? Like I might right. think, oh, people are going to want to know what I use for um, this and this. And actually... Yeah they could care less. They want like, to know yeah. how I'm, yeah. Like how, how, how are you decorating the nursery for, yeah. you know, this or that? So it's just interesting. And also you under start understanding the way people are thinking, especially your specific demographics. So mm. I, I would think for me, beauty wise, Oh, you know, people, it's okay if I don't show the swatch of the foundation or the concealer, because I feel like I have a very, uh, you know, run the mill skin tone. People know my, like other people they can look to for skin tone. But really what you realize is that I like to say this because it's, it's how I see it, but it's like kind of with actors, you know, when you watch soap operas or you watch a show or a sitcom, you, you really start liking a character yeah. for some reason they resonate with you mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter 
if the other person is plugging the same thing, you just care about what that person's saying because right. they've somehow captured your attention and your heart and whatever it is. And so they start listening to what it is you want. So even if there's uh, another girl that has the same skin tone as you and the same look as you, mm. they actually would rather you swatch the foundation because they want to know what your right. personal thoughts are. Yeah. Right. And then you also want to look at like your analytics on business um, or not on business, but um, on your IG page. Like, you know, what is your demographics yeah. or how many percentage is men versus women from what countries, from mm -hmm. what states um, age wise, you know, like. And so for me, I also take that into a lot of consideration and I use that to my advantage when I'm talking to partnership partners um, or brands as well, because I say, yes, I am a South Asian woman. Yes, we're seeing more brown women. But listen, I'm. I'm, I'm in my late thirties, you know, yeah. how many of these, how many other brown bloggers are in the late thirties and can speak to being pregnant three times and talk about the hormonal effects on your skin. Yeah. So yeah. let me take this product and talk to you about how it affects this, you know? Are there elements of being a South Asian lifestyle guru, if you will? Um, are there elements of, of the South Asian aspect of this that really for you are kind of the central core or it does it happen is it just so that you happen to be a lifestyle entrepreneur that happens to be south asian are they are they mutually tethered um in in some way no i think i think in the beginning maybe it was a little bit more okay how do i differentiate myself right um and and then it was very beauty focused and more so mm -hmm. like we don't see because i did come from a, like a makeup background aside from doing like production and Aside from producing and hosting shows, I actually started my own makeup business for a while. And so mm -hmm. I was very in tune with skincare and, and it went and, and skin and texture and all that stuff. And one thing that bothered me so much was that we as South Asians got grouped in with Latinas, yeah. Asians, and, uh, and even African Americans. And it was really, or black, I should say. And it was really frustrating to me that we didn't have our own, like it wasn't, you can fit into this, but no mm -hmm. one was willing to create products that fit us, you know? Yeah. So it bothered me because I was like, I would work with women with really um, specific needs, like very dark under eye circles or things that, that, that you had to mix and match to create the perfect formula for. Yeah. Whereas other things were just made for them. And granted, this was, this was a while ago. This was in 2007, 2008. So a yeah. long time ago. Now I feel like the beauty's, come a long way now you see 40 shade range options mm -hmm. for foundations and concealers which in itself is a little bit harder for people to um navigate through but so many choices right yeah there's so many choices yeah. but i think that first it was something like yeah this differentiates me um and as i grew i started having kids right so like yeah. for me it became something like i was like oh gosh i actually want to make sure that my kids have um a really strong understanding of who they are, their cultural sure. values, um, where we came from, because they started asking questions. And so I think it kind of organically shifted from, okay, I'm going to position myself as a brown blogger because it's what's going to differentiate myself for these mm -hmm. brands that are looking to um, hire diverse, you know, right. um, content creators to, no, I'm doing this because I really want to. And also you realize, you know, we're big proponents of public school and you realize that, not everything is covered there. And so yeah. I made it a, a point for myself to start getting involved. So like with schools, okay, I'm going to make sure every Diwali I'm there to explain yeah. and do a craft and do a lesson for Holy, for even Rakshabandhan, like things like that, that I just yeah. felt need to be 
celebrated or at least understood because I never had that growing up. I never yeah. had that growing up. Actually, it was opposite, as I'm sure many of us that grew up in the 80s, 90s. Yeah. It was, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to tell yeah. people why I have a red, st- or uh, not right. me, but like, you know, why I have henna on me. And yeah. now it's cool, right? I yeah. think, what, Madonna back in the early 2000s, Kabbalah yeah. was like the big thing. And now it's like, no, everyone rocks it with pride. And I love that. And I love yeah. that they're excited about it. I love that their friends think it's so cool to celebrate the festival of lights. And, yeah. you know, I love watching them talk to their friends about certain things um, that I would have never wanted to, nor would mm-hmm. I've known how to, I did not know how to talk about Diwali when I was little. Cause right. it was, you know, it was just something we did at home yeah. and something we celebrated. And as far as the meanings and all that stuff, we just don't worry about it. We just do it. You know? <laughs> Well, and it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily as ubiquitous as it is um, today. Yeah. And certainly, right. I mean, we have a lot of great sort of pioneers to really thank for that. And, and you're being one of them for the, the oh. next sort of stage of people that are coming along. What's now next as someone who is, you know, really promoting a an increased awareness for beauty and entertainment and lifestyle and mm-hmm. parenting? in this kind of South Asian space, but also, you know, broader than that, is is the future direction to blend even more and make the um, pieces that much more available? Or, or are there more like sort of foundations to make? Are we actually continuing the definition of what that's like to actually be in your in your child's school and, and really promote the notion of Diwali or Holi or um, Raksha Bandhan? And, you know, how do you, how do you imagine that, you know, especially like, getting out of this pandemic, hopefully sometime soon, you know, what's our story now going to be? I don't know. That's a good question. I think that's something that I'm still trying to figure out. You know, yeah. I don't know. I think the messaging is still really important. I, what I, what I will say is in all of this, what I'm very excited about and what I, I think what has motivated me to, to even go more with like lifestyle around, um, things that are South Asian is when I see brands like Toyota want to do a campaign around Diwali and, you know, want to see the whole family and really Mm -hmm. embrace. Like, I remember when I did the partnership with Toyota one, I was very honored to be chosen for that, but two to, for them to really say, we want to depict every feature of this, like, tell us about it. What makes Diwali so special? What should we do? Okay. We should have the Rangoli. We should have this. We should have that. I was really happy that they wanted to, embrace all of it and show sure. it all, you know? Yeah. Um, and they didn't have to choose that. They could have chosen any other, mm-hmm. um, any other culture, but I think they're also realizing we are a huge demographic yeah. here in the States, huge. Yeah. Right. And I think this was going to be in the U S Canada and UK. And that's yeah. again, huge. We're huge, huge there too. We're sure. hugely populating a lot of <laughs> all of these. You we, know? we are, we are worldwide. That is true. Yeah. And so I think that's great because I think people are starting to realize that we've known that forever, right? Yeah. We've known that. And we know that we make up a huge, percentage of the populations in these areas. Um, and like you said, worldwide. So I think when, I, when you see brands really yeah. um, embracing that, it makes you feel like, okay, see, like they're understanding it. So now yeah. I need to further that message um, and, and, and hopefully um, communicate that to everyone else that's mm-hmm. watching too, or listening. And um, same thing with this year, it yeah. was, you know, it was a little different, but it was with AARP and I loved it because I was like, yeah. I absolutely want to, a first they approached me, I was like, listen, how old do you think I am? Yeah. <laughs> and, they're like, and they're like, no, 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 this is for, you know, our grandparents and we want your kids to like talk about, yeah. um, it was all around Diwali and how near or far 
still mm-hmm. want to care for our elders. And I was like, this is perfect. Like, I yeah. love it. I'll make the story come alive. Um, and I loved that they embraced that holiday for it. Uh, it made so much sense to me. So I don't know. That's a good question. That's something I definitely want to think about if it's a blend or if it's something we continue. And I think that, you know, I love the idea of pan-generational messaging, right? I mean, something that is connecting us even more rather than just, you know, isolating buckets of different demographics or saying, hey, this is only for the 15 to 25 crowd. It has no resonance whatsoever on the 65 and above AARP (laughs) crowd, perhaps. I think that in the non-digital world, it's mm-hmm. easy some, sometimes to frame or even ask or even answer this question. But in the digital world, it, it's a complicated one or a complex one. But, you know, for you, when someone visits your site or someone interacts with some of your messaging or someone may have an introduction to some of the things that you're putting on, say, Instagram, when they leave that space, what do you mm-hmm. want them to take away with them after having interacted with some of your content? That is such a great question. It's so funny you say that because that is probably the biggest question I pose for other people when they yeah. come to me and ask me how they can grow. I say, if you were looking at someone's Instagram page, yeah. what makes you want to stay? What makes you want to follow them? Mm-hmm. What makes you want to scroll up? Those are always my biggest things because Instagram, as we know, is very fleeting. It's very yeah. of the moment. It's fluid. It's the first nine boxes you see, and you maybe have 30 seconds to capture someone's attention right. and they either like, they follow, or they leave, right? Um, and it's really interesting understanding that mind. And the best way to understand it is you putting yourself in that position. So mm-hmm. if me, Ami, were to go to Ami Decide's page and look through it, what is keeping me there? What yeah. is drawing me in? And, and you have to be very clear about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard because even as, you know, as my content changes from being beauty lifestyle to fashion to, oh, a lot of baby stuff, like I mm-hmm. get sometimes like scared. Ooh, are people going to like that? Am yeah. I going to lose, I'm, I'm lose a lot of my, you know, younger millennials because they're just like over it and they don't really care about baby stuff? Or am I yeah. going to lose some of the older crowd that doesn't care about babies, you have to think about it. But I think the biggest thing is two things. One, being authentic. I say this all the time, being authentic, like be true to yourself. If that is what you are feeling at that time, and that is in that stage of your life, and that is what you're using Instagram to really exemplify and personify that, then do it. Mm -hmm. Because people will see through when you're not trying, when you're not being organic or authentic. Number two is engaging with your community. Like to me, it makes my day, it makes my week when I'm feeling so stressed out and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't answer all my DMs right now. Or I've had a really rough bout of sleep trading and I can't get to this. <laughs> um, but if I get, if I go onto my messages and I see like there are 20 new followers that mm. um, have maybe sent in DMs and they're asking me questions about um, being a new mother or like sleepless nights or like, am I doing this right? And obviously there's no right or wrong answer, but the fact that they're asking and seeking advice for me and I can provide some insight to them that makes them feel better makes me feel like I've, I don't know, makes me feel on cloud nine. And even then like uh, someone calls me lately, especially during the pandemic. One thing that's been really sweet is people will message me and they're like, you know, my girlfriend is getting married and she obviously we're going through with the wedding, but she can't get ready. She can't do this. Do you, is there anything you can do? Oh my gosh, yes. Let me get a box of beauty products together for her and yeah. send that over to her so she can feel special on her day of like things like that. Engaging with my community, I think is 
I want, I leave with such satisfaction. I want them to leave that way too. I want them to leave like, gosh, I follow this person because she's actually listening to me. She's listening to what I want. She's listening to my needs. Um, and again, every Instagram page is different. Like mm-hmm. it depends on what your goal is. Are you treating it like a business? Are you treating it um, as just a place that is an album for you? You know, like, yeah. so it depends on what you want to do with it. But for me, it really means a lot when people leave feeling like I'm actually listening. So I'm not yeah. just spewing things. I'm not just um, putting things out there. When people message me, and they're like, you're probably not going to see this or you're not going to want to message back. I'm like, why wouldn't I want to message back? I am who I am because you allow me to make that happen. Right. I think that's the part too, that gets a a very kind of blurred sometimes like, you know, Instagram people are Instagram people like everybody (laughs) else. And and I think it's so fun and I think it's a great job. I wouldn't ask for anything else. There's so is I'm so grateful for what I get to do, but I get to do that because of everybody that Mm. allows me to do that. And I never take that for granted. And I think that's one of the biggest things is I don't want someone from wherever to be asking question and me saying like, Oh, I can't, I'm too busy for this. You know, it's like, no, I'm going to answer this if I can, if I, you know, and I've also gotten some messages being like, I've messaged you 20 times and you don't answer me. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I didn't see this at all. Um, but yeah, I just want them to feel like they were heard and seen. That's my biggest thing. I want them to leave feeling that way. Well, I think that that genuine authenticity is something that comes across very loud and clear. I mean, thank you so much for joining us. It's been really a terrific treat and we hope you'll come back at, at some point and join us again. Absolutely. You take care and thank you for having me. And you can learn more at amidesai.com. You can catch all of our episodes new and old at ruckusavenueradio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Till next time, I'm Abhay Dandekud. Yo, what's up? This is DMC and you can catch me on Ruckus Avenue Radio. Peace.